All right, everyone, welcome back to the Be Fit Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Connor Murphy, here joined with Dr. Sean Rocket. Sean, welcome. My pleasure. Happy to happy to be here in the garden. Should I call do you is it weird when people call you doctor? Do you are you okay being called Sean? Yeah, Sean's great. Rocket man. Whatever. <laughs> Rocket man is Rocket fantastic. Man, whatever you like. So so Dr. Rocket is one, a friend of mine, and we became friends through his role at Orthopedics New England as the president of Orthopedics New England, who do surgeries for all different kinds of people. And then more specifically, as of the last decade, getting into CrossFit, and he is actually the head surgeon, head doctor of the CrossFit Games um, this year as well. Yeah, right? since 2011. Since 2011. So yeah, now... Mm-hmm running on 13, this would be the 13th year there. If you do the math right. Well, I'm not great at math. <laughs> you, you're the one who went to school, which by the way, I, uh, I was talking with uh, Bubba Haggard yeah? on Friday. We went sure. out and had some food, who I want to have on here too because oh, he's, he's just... Great. Oh my, yeah. He's, he's well, so speaking of rocket scientist, <laughs> yes. he is a rocket scientist. You're the rocket man, but I'm he's the rocket, rocket man. scientist. He's the rocket scientist. <laughs> but I want to kind of pick things up. I want to give people a little bit of background yeah. because there's something that I didn't know about your stint at Harvard is that you played football? I did. I what did. was your role there on the Harvard football team? <laughs> What's your role? Uh, water bottle? No. <laughs> So I played freshman football, uh, had a great year, and then came in sophomore and uh, on the varsity, and then uh, subluxed my shoulder. And so every time I went to block somebody, my shoulder would pop out. And so that wasn't very fun anymore. And so I decided, and so I had surgery, but back then I had a labral tear, and back then it was the posterior labrum, they just took it out because it was clicking. <laughs> so they didn't. The surgery wasn't invented yet, <laughs> which I needed. And so right now it only bothers me on my backswing and golf. But, um, you know, if I played football again, you know, that the shoulder was, it was painful. It wasn't enjoyable. And I just made the call to stop. What position did you play? I uh, came in at quarterback. They brought in 10 quarterbacks. And uh, the guy that was ahead, you know, definitely ahead of me, uh, broke all the records for Harvard. He was great. And I realized he was great. And I switched to wide receiver. So um, went did that. I also played baseball, and I kept playing baseball after that. So. Oh, fantastic. What position did you play in baseball? I was a speedy center fielder. Center field. The yeah. king of the outfield. King. Sometimes people say center fielders are the most athletic or fittest, peop- fittest person on a baseball team. Which isn't saying much, but <laughs> to be the fittest on a baseball team. Well, I mean, it's the outfielders. I mean, be, being the fittest designated hitter is different than yeah. being the fittest yeah, outfielder. Yeah, out yeah. There. no, I was. Yeah, I was. I was a stealer, base stealer, and t- traveled traveled the the outfield. Took took care of the outfield. I'd imagine if you were a receiver, you had some speed in there. So base stealer makes I sense. Did. I did. So then you had when you started going to Harvard. Did you know, hey, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon? Or did you say, hey, these guys fucked up my shoulder surgery so bad, I got to figure out a way to, to make sure that other athletes don't experience this? Um, no, it was... Uh, so my dad was the team physician. He was a neurosurgeon, my dad was. So he was team physician for BC and Harvard. And so I grew up going, literally, since I was four, going to all the BC and Harvard football games. And I would see my dad on the sidelines and say, oh, that's kind of cool. He gets to be with the athletes and take care of them. 
And so then I was getting hurt too, as, as we get older and as a youngster, I was getting hurt. And I went and I saw the orthopedic surgeon. I said, oh, this is kind of cool job. And, and that, was, that was it. That was, I was thinking about, you know, sports medicine would be great and be fun. But then, you know, I say like organic chemistry hit me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, do I really want to do this? And then do I really want to get into medicine? And do I really want to go to med school? And gradually it just kept saying yes, yes, yeah. So early on it was sort of sports medicine-y, kind of I like this idea, but then gradually it just kept getting, you know, more and more tangible and real. Um, I did work in a law office and I didn't enjoy that. And I worked as an accountant's clerk in another uh, setting and realized I, I needed more than just, you know, numbers and spreadsheets. Um, so That's awesome. So it yeah. seems as though the apple didn't fall too far from the tree. Yeah, it was, it was all that, yeah. Um, so you're then you're from this area, local to Boston. Grew up, area. In, grew up in Brookline. Yeah. Okay. Four, three brothers and uh, a little sister. Yeah. Fantastic. Where do you live now? Uh, out in Wellesley. What's your home address and social security number? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I think I've heard. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't know. You said you're getting older, so maybe I could trick you into that. I don't know. <laughs> Well, part of the, I, I think what's unique between you and I is when I first got up to, uh, to the Boston area in 2013, you know, I had had issues in my elbows from the stuff mm. that happened in the Navy. You know all of this, obviously. But yeah. um, immediately, when I, it wasn't regarding, it wasn't even in like the Natick area, it was even through Reebok. Uh, mm. The people at Reebok that had known of you, that had gotten work done by you, they were like, you've got to go see Dr. Rocket. And at the time, it was it was a point where I was like, hey, like you know, this insurance and all that stuff, and you were like, hey, we can we can make sure that this person is taken care of, and kind of like push through all the necessary things in order to get me taken care of. Do you think you have a soft spot for athletes because of your athletic background? Oh yeah, no, I I enjoy it. I anytime anybody's motivated to get back to sports, and you know, I can help them and and make a difference, take care of their pain, and and get them back healthy. You know, uh, and they are very appreciative you know all these crossfit games athletes are very very appreciative and they uh they you know anytime you give them care it, it's it's a good feeling both ways you know they appreciate it and it and that's why i go out there to, to volunteer because it's you know it's a good feeling now regarding crossfit athletes it's it's always been known from not necessarily from an orthopedic surgery side for me but just from a side of dealing with people they tend to be relatively humble athletes some of them divas but how would you rank a CrossFit athlete relative to some of the other athletes yeah. from different sports that Abs you work with? Absolutely, absolutely humble and appreciative, which sometimes you don't get when you deal with professional athletes all the time. Why do you think that is from a CrossFit level? I think it's just, the, I think it's the culture that, you know, you can't walk into a CrossFit gym and, and be cocky. Like you'll, you'll, get your, you'll get your ass handed to you. And I think it's just built in that, that's what that's the way it is like you and that's why i love to hire crossfitters i love to you know everything in the world I'd, I'd like to have you know business directories with all crossfitters like it's just they get it they're nice they you know it's it just anytime you can take humility and put it into the equation versus arrogance it's it's, it's it seems like a win 
I can't remember who said this. This isn't my own thought process. Nothing I really say is. It's just stolen from other people. I usually give credit once you, or twice. As long as you credit it. I yeah, give yeah. a credit once or twice, and then I just you, sometimes you take it as my own. Nowadays, if you don't. Um, <clears throat> but someone was relating why CrossFit athletes are humble. And it, it, it kind of hit home with me when they were mm. talking about track athletes. And they're like, go to a track and field meet and just watch and just look at who you would think is the most arrogant or cocky person on there. Yeah. And they related, hey, the, the person who runs the 100 meter. Why? Because it's the shortest sprint. And if you're the best in the world at that, you're the fastest person alive. Uh-huh. And it's like, that's a pretty cool title, <laughs> being the fastest person alive. And how they related it to what would make them more humble is what you would have to do if you were a CrossFit athlete or you did CrossFit is, all right, the, you know, the cockiest people a lot, you know, they're, they're walking down, not alive, but in the track <laughs> field, you know, they're walking down to run their race and they're like, <clears throat> oh, actually, you guys are going to run the 5K against the 5K guys uh, today. And they'd be like, good. oh, yeah, I'm not so cocky anymore. <laughs> right, right. And because they, they have to be, you know, it's, it's the versatility of it. It's yep. that no matter how good you are at CrossFit, right. there's someone who is better than you at that, at that specific movement and that specific exercise. Interesting, yeah. So you're all, there's always somebody better. <clears throat> right. And, but not overall better. Well, yeah. If, well, you're, and, if you're the fittest. <clears throat> and usually significantly. You know, yeah. it's like what uh, what did Sam? You were at the CrossFit Games when they went back to the ranch and did the deadlift ladder, right? Yeah. Do you remember what the heaviest deadlift was? I want to say six hundred something. I think like yeah, Sam six, Dancer. Sam just, Dancer. I think it was six ten maybe or six hundred. Yeah. Which and, is and Brooke Wells wasn't that far off. I think she was four fifty or something like that. Yeah. So let's let's talk about Brooke because that we kind of like segue into that. <clears throat> Brooke's a great friend of mine. I've mentioned her on here many times before, mm-hmm. but. Brooke deadlifted 450 pounds. For any average person, that's insanity. You're like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. However, when we talk about specialization, she's about 400 pounds away from like being the yeah. best deadlifter. Yeah. So it's like it's not even that you can be really good at something, but to be at the very best level, yeah. it's just the, the gap between that. Now, however, that can person- the best, Can the best deadlifter do the handstand? Pirouettes. And, Can the best deadlifter run a, run four hundred meters around a track without having to, having to be timed with a with a sundial? Right? <laughs> and again, that's not that's not a knock against the world's best deadlifter. That's what they want to do, but it's more so honing in like the humility that you have to have in that because you're just really not the best at the certain things that you're doing. Right, right. that's a good point. So speaking of Brooke, um, she just came out with her book. Yeah, it's coming out. Or it's coming it's, it's out. Pre, yeah, it's pre-released and going to be released within a week or two. I think. I was hoping Christina was going to get me a copy before it came out, but I can I can help you with that. Thanks. Yeah, Christina, <laughs> I think asked for my address like a year and, ago. And your social security number. Yeah, I gave it to her. <laughs> my credit is terrible, but I still don't have that book. My identity is stolen. So what was your what was your role in that? Because you were on the floor when she dislocated her elbow, right? Yeah, I was hanging. I was hanging next to Dave. Castro and we were talking and he's, he's, he's our relationship has grown throughout the years of just and Dave Castro is the uh, at the time was the director of the CrossFit Games and now oversees a lot of different mm-hmm. things he's an OG in CrossFit has been an original member of the seminar staff uh, ran the CrossFit Games essentially started it at his ranch in Aromas California and so is, is pretty much the most sought out person at the CrossFit Games so when he mentions Dave that's that's why it's such a unique thing for for that to happen. So, yeah. and and our relationship, you know, I came there and he didn't know me from anybody, and and there, we've had we had a few issues, and 
and you know I would report to him and and I and he would sort of quiz me and sort of over the years he's sort of and I've been right on a lot of things <laughs> I've been right and knock on wood haven't had any you know anything wrong um, but so he's our relationship has he's I've gained his trust yeah and and with you know dealing with the athletes and how I deal with the athletes and deal with injuries and and so you know we've just grown where we're just hanging out talking during the during the snatch ladder and um and then it happened with Brooke, Brooke dislocated her elbow and he literally just said he grabbed and he said get up get out there like he turned and flipped me over. you're in coach yeah, get hey, in. we need a quarterback get in. Get in. <laughs> um yeah and so yeah so i tried to get it back in i could see it was dislocated trying to get it back in on the field on the the coliseum because sometimes if you get to it quickly the spasm doesn't set in so like if you dislocate a body part muscles will try to or are contracting and if they're contracting they're pulling on the joint and it's not in place so it can start to be very very painful <laughs> extremely painful and so if you can get it quickly before the spasm sets in it's easy it's a lot easier and so i was hoping for the a drop the mic you know pop it in drop the mic come back but it it wasn't the case part of it was that she is number one very muscular mm -hmm. and my hands you know trying to get my hands around her arm and and get it so that was part the other one is she had a brace she had a a thick um, neoprene sleeve on, and I think that was also preventing us from from getting there. But I didn't want to say, "Okay, let's get your sleeve off here." And you know, so then, so then we we brought her from there, brought her, and I realized it wasn't going back in. Mm -hmm. And so then we went back into the back room where we do have an X-ray machine at the Coliseum, and we were able to take an X-ray, make sure nothing was broken, and then we did actually number up, and then. Uh, popped it back in and I would imagine when you numb it it relaxes the muscles to make that yeah job so a the pain easier. went away so so once her pain goes away once her muscles aren't fighting it was easy yeah. and from that is that a neurological piece that's keeping can I those can I say that right? she has already talked about this so this is not a we're not violating we're not a HIPAA HIPAA violation. this is not a HIPAA violation we in talked about this before. in case anybody we can talk about in this. case anybody she's written about it she's written a book about it and so yes so yeah, people that are listening, they're like, Whew. yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor, paycheck coming in. Tell, tell all, <laughs> tell, kiss and tell. Yeah. Um, so when you talk about it, like flexing, I imagine there's some sort of like, hey, this is what your body's natural reaction. Is there a way, from a standpoint of like, would Brooke be capable, or would someone be capable of relaxing the muscles without that type of thing, or is it just something it's, that's neurologically happening to deal with the pain? It's a definitely a, there's a reflex, there's a spinal reflex going on where the muscles, you know, it's you feel pain goes up here and comes back down, muscles contract. It's not even, it's not even within control. Yeah, there can be sometimes you can try to calm somebody and, and get them to relax, and, but it's tough, it's, it's very tough. I imagine more tough with the amount of musculature that. Yeah, yep. big and muscular and, 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 and just, yeah, the thing, when things are stretched, your things are getting stretched and like a nerve, nerves yep. are getting stretched and it hurts, it really hurts, so. And I mean, even in the book, the most miraculous thing is that she had surgery, mm -hmm year after surgery she's back yeah. competing yeah. at the crossfit games yeah 
now I know we I mean I don't want to like hey we're, let's tell Brooks story or about the book in that but from a perspective of I guess it's easier for me to understand as like a professional athlete you do whatever you have to mm-hmm. but from a health perspective some people would think that's crazy <clears throat> why would you try to do something like that yeah. well, I mean, what is your thought what is your thought process on that I mean well, like with the Aaron Rodgers Achilles you know um, any orthopedic surgeon was like yeah that's probably too early <laughs> and he knew it and he you know, is saying, oh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quicker than anybody else. And, you know, there's, there's a decision to make. Like, do you want to risk re-injury, which high probability if you come back too soon, mm-hmm. high probability, or do you want to just wait till it's solid and wait till it's healed? A professional athlete is going to push the envelope, and that's what they do. Um, but taking the risk, it, it's a risk. If you go too early, there's a high risk of re-rupture. Um, and so that's the fine line that sports medicine doctors try to get people to, you know, get back quickly, but we are usually the ones trying to pump the brakes, trying to get them not to go back, like ACL and ACL recovery, ACL surgeries. We're always pump the brakes, get big, get strong, get mobile, wait for this to heal. Don't be the fastest ACL recovery in the world, you know, let it heal. So, and I guess a couple of things. One, with an ACL, because you hear all the time, you hear people are like, I had an LCL, I had an MCL, I had, mm-hmm. you know, meniscus tears and that type of stuff. But why is the ACL such a longer recovery process? What does that yeah. do for the knee? Um, so it's, a, it's, it's the r- stabilizer for rotation and for twisting, pivoting, run, not running. But you can run without an ACL. You can bike without an ACL, but it's, it's really the rotational sports. It's such a, uh, a unique ligament, and the, the surgery that's involved, a lot of swelling develops. So just like I said, when you have a swelling in a joint or in, there's a spinal reflex where you have swelling, it stretches out your tissue, your, it goes to your spinal cord, and your spinal cord comes back and shuts down your muscles your muscles get atrophied. And that's the fight, that's the battle that you have to fight the atrophy, being safe, but um, overcoming the atro- the natural record, you know, spinal cord reflex mm-hmm. that's occurring. Um, and it's just the amount of atrophy that takes place. It's a huge amount of atrophy. And that's why there's, you know, a lot of rehab and PT to get, to fight the muscles to, you know, there's some new, new techniques out there. One that called blood flow restriction. I don't know if you've heard about it. You put tourniquets around uh, legs or arms and you set, you inflate the tourniquet and not to the point of losing, you know, flow, but, but they, there is some, we don't know all the details about this, but blood flow restriction has been shown to have a quicker muscle recovery than without it. And that's almost contrary a lot of people think hey we need more blood flow yeah there's there's something happening they think it's related to you know that your muscles are feel are seeing more stress and the more stress they see they they might ramp up the production of the, of their muscular tissue it's it's we don't know all the details right now but there are definitely studies out there showing that people can gain muscle strength faster than without it and have you seen that in patients yeah which is i think it's it's very unique because you I think about studies, even from a nutrition standpoint, mm. it's like, hey, this is the best thing for this. Or like, hey, this is the best thing for that. And when you have P- 
people that have done that that do certain things and get certain results from it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost and obviously we we want to know the mechanism. You always want to know, hey, why is this happening? I want to know precisely because then you can really hone in on it. But I almost think with a lot of athletes and probably why and, and a lot of stuff that you've done to even pave the way for sports medicine and people getting back to recovery is mm. there's almost this black box theory in that that you're like, hey, we don't really know why this is working, yeah. but it's fucking working. Yeah. And so we're going to do it. And we haven't had. And it's not harmful. Yeah, we haven't had the regression right. from this. So here's something that's in there. And I think there's something to say about that too where yeah. I think a lot of doctors will be. And maybe not, maybe not anymore, but I know, and probably similar to you growing up, the answer to a lot of stuff after surgery was like, hey, let's not move this thing for a while. Right. Um, What do you think is, and not necessarily just like a Brooke Wells dislocating her arm Mm. or dislocating her elbow, having surgery to pair it, it's dislocated, it's not, or there's, there's surgery needed, there's not surgery needed. What do you think the worst thing to do after suffering an injury, whether you have surgery or don't have surgery, what do you think the worst thing to do is? Uh, the worst thing to do is, mm, you know, I want to say immobilize. You know, so joints should undergo range of motion, mm-hmm. uh, even ligaments. And if you have a ligament surgery, there should be range of motion uh, because, you know, we know from ACLs 20, 30 years ago, people were put in a cast and just locked up and they became very stiff and they they didn't they weren't unstable anymore but they couldn't bend their knee anymore either so that's probably one of the worst things you can do is not fight for range of motion uh the other is um you know i just recovery in general some people have surgery and they form like a they get into a castle and they have a moat around their life they they just isolate Mm -hmm. you know so Getting out, keeping socialization, you know, getting to your friends, getting to your gym, getting to your work, do that as fast as possible. There's a there's a significant like post surgery depression that can happen, where people just completely everything shuts down and they just cocoon, mm-hmm. and and there's studies showing that people that get back out there faster actually do better because they have the support from people. That's interesting. So it's not just from like a physical point too no, but definitely like, mental and yeah. do you think and again we we talk about this a lot I, you know I, I had chris Irwin on here oh cool we both know well who has gone through a lot of of mental health illness that has caused physical illness mm-hmm. and so it's interesting to hear you say hey there's not only is it you know the better thing to do for recovery but and yeah. the better thing to do for your mental health and mental well-being but there's a bridge between those yeah, two sure. things where both are going to that's interesting yeah yeah I think that's why a lot of, I mean, for a lot of people, CrossFit is, you know, I think why people become obsessed with it is because it is their life. They have that support they system. Can they can do that, right. Like if you're a runner and you have an Achilles tendonitis, you know, you know you're not going to be running as much and you're not going to be in your running partners and buddies. But that's the best part of a CrossFit is that you have a shoulder issue, you can still do legs and scale and modify. You have a knee issue, you can still do upper body and do other stuff. So there's all, there's, you know, as we say, infinitely scalable stuff. There's all the stuff that you can do. And that's what people, people want to get to the gym. They want to hang out with their friends. They want to, you know, still see them after the workout, check in with them. And yeah, so that is, that is one benefit of CrossFit. So you talk about CrossFit a lot, but it, it sounds, 
even more so from like a sports medicine side of it. It sounds more so from obviously a personal side of it. You, as I know, but maybe listeners don't know, you've done CrossFit for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, started 2007, yeah. In 2007, so, you know, math says that's <laughs> <go>. 17 <laughs> years if you started the beginning of 2007. Yeah. But uh, So that's but, a long time. That's like an, yeah. that's like an OG of CrossFit. Yeah, it's um, and then people are like, oh, how did you, you know, aren't you worried about getting hurt? Like, like I'm not gonna go do something if I think I'm gonna hurt myself. As a matter of fact, I tell you know some people like I stopped playing soccer and basketball because I was more afraid of like people slide tackling me and getting hurt, and I was not in control. Like I'm not in control mm-hmm. when I'm out on the soccer field and someone slide tackles me. Like, and so I I literally stopped playing because I was I was afraid I was gonna tear my ACL playing soccer, uh, which we see a lot of in masters athletes, you know, right. a lot of, that's very common. Basketball, very common. ACL tears. So people who are getting back out there being like, hey, in my prime, in my prime, I was, <laughs> I was hitting triple doubles. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you've got, you need start, triple double knee surgeries. They watch the movie Air and they're like, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> what a great movie. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. yeah, we just saw it again. It was good. It was good. It's really, I didn't know what, what to expect, but it was, oh yeah. It's cool to see. And that, you, that Damon speech, that was just fires you up. Right? Right. Um, you know, to, speaking of one of the more most competitive athletes of all time mm. in Michael Jordan, right. but most of these listeners aren't Michael Jordan. If you're listening to this, sorry to generalize. <laughs> but, and they're not the Brooke Wellses. Yeah. They're people who want to get fitter, mm-hmm. people who want to, um, improve the quality of their life through right. fitness, or at least they want to improve the quality of their life, but maybe some of them don't know how. Mm-hmm. Any advice for someone that's listening to this and they're like, and maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's a, it's a My Stride class or a Barry's Boot Camp or something, yeah. or maybe it is a CrossFit gym. Yeah. And there's that, there's that, you know, misconception where you have to be fit to start or yeah. you're going to get hurt. What's, yeah. what advice do you have to someone as, as the, you know, that, president of orthopedist new england and the head crossfit doctor the yeah. doctor of the crossfit games what yeah. do you have to someone like you that? know i hear that a lot people are like oh, i don't want to i don't want to start exercising till i'm in shape like all right <laughs> no, it just doesn't make sense you got to start somewhere any gym should any coach in any gym or any studio should welcome you with open arms if you're nervous you're worried anybody should be welcoming anybody into that and allaying their fears Injury rates, you know, people say, oh, you get hurt. We know CrossFit, just for one, CrossFit is, uh, the injury rate is less than basketball, soccer, football. Uh, It's up there with gymnastics and weightlifting. So it's not, you know, they've looked at injury rates. Um, It's less than running. Injury rates for CrossFit are less than runners. So um, good coaches, good gyms will scale and start slow. You have to start slow or else we'll have this, tendonitis discussion uh which is where you he wasn't pointing at me when no, he I, said that he was it was like a, it was a you general not you no. <laughs> that's me suppose you did too much <laughs> <laughs> what if now so yeah so starting slow st- and any coach should have a ramp up should have a, a you know probably a six month process of of ramping up your your workouts um but yeah we know the benefits of exercise mentally you know, just from endorphin release, uh, from prevention of Alzheimer's potentially, uh, bone structure, cardiovascular. You go from head to toe, 
you know, cardiovascular, uh, diabetes, you know, everything. The weightlifting, fitness has been shown to benefit a lot, a lot of things. We have a, a thing in our gym, at CrossFit Launchpad, we have, we put up like different body parts and say like, what are the benefits of exercise and weightlifting for this organ or for this body part? Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, bone, you know, prevention of osteoporosis, tons of things. Just, I, you know, I can't, I, that's the number one treatment for osteoporosis is, you know, weight bearing activity. You don't need a medicine, you don't need drugs eat a balanced diet and lift weights big piece of that too is diet especially when we talk about from the orthopedic side is mm. like the inflammation side of things yep. where we know as inflammation it's causes its effects of that and then even specifically what we've been preaching for crossfit is overconsumption of liquid processed and refined carbohydrates mm -hmm. which aids into your you know inflammation and aids into you know, overproduction of insulin, hyperinsulinemia, and the deadly quartet, and everything that you know that Dr. Norman Kaplan talked about that in mm -hmm. the, the seminal article um, in 1989. Mm -hmm. It's like we've known that stuff, but now you're talking. It's like, hey, you couple this diet, and then we couple this stuff with yeah. fitness, and you're it's un almost unbreakable. Yeah, it's almost like you did. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, unbreakable in the sense of different than you know what you think of. Like I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think. I guess I had to ask you, is that you don't just work on athletes, right? No, no, yeah. I see uh, joint replacements. I do knee and hip replacements. So I see people from 40 to 90. Yeah. And in your, I mean, this is such a, like a biased question. It's such like a layup, but <laughs> someone who's eating well and, um, and exercising, mm -hmm. whether at an elite level or just at a level where they're, you know, regularly attending a CrossFit gym have no, you know, want or desire to compete but what does the recovery time look like to someone who is not exercising at all or eating well yeah no it's it's proven that somebody will recover faster um also it's proven that if you strengthen your muscles you can prevent surgeries you can prevent knee replacement from arthritis having arthritis you can prevent having uh, issues in the long run if you build up your muscles to protect your joints to support your joints and move your joints, they don't get stiff, they get actually nourished. The, the joint, when it moves, fluid, the synovial fluid, the lining, gets pushed into your cartilage and it nourishes the cartilage. So motion and strength is, is key. As you know, Hippocrates said, exercise and, and diet is, is the key. Mm -hmm. And 800 years, no, what is he? I think he was, Hippocrates was, I wanna say 300 BC or 200 BC. He was, he was right. So you're saying <laughs> we've known that for a while. A long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just so interesting to me when you still hear that, when it's like, <clears throat> I don't want to get hurt or I don't want. Yeah. And it's like, I've seen more people roll their ankles walking down the road or going downstairs than I ever have in a CrossFit gym or ever have in a gym in general. Oh, yeah. And I imagine you at, at, a, at a, an upper level of that, you've seen more injuries from, it was like, oh, what were you doing here? And it was like, well, I was putting on a pair of pants or I was doing X, Y, Z. What's something common? What's an injury common to people that are not exercising? Let's say, let's say from like an age demographic of like 30s yeah. and then 40s and then 50s. Uh, an, a common injury in someone who's not exercising in different ages? Yeah, I mean... 30-year-olds, you can get into other sports, right? Other sports, um, 
tendon tears, quad tears, patella tendon tears, those are classically in the 40 to 50 year olds. Uh, rotator cuff tears, if someone lifts up something heavy and it's too heavy, they can, you know, you can rip your tendon. Um, so strength training can prevent that. Like if you know how to lift something up and you're, you know, have good body mechanics and are taught how to move weights and lift weights off the ground, you're not as at risk to, to rip something. And then you get into older people who, you know, have osteoporosis. We talk about weight-bearing activity. Uh, people 70, 80 years old who fall uh, and they don't have as much, as much musculature around their body so that, so if they're losing muscle and they fall and they hit their hip, they break their hip. And some people don't break their hip if they have better bone density. And that's what weight-bearing activity when you're 40, 50, 60 is going to prevent you from getting a hip fracture when you're 80 or 90. And I see it, we see it maybe one a day, a hip fracture a day. That's, that's a lot. That's an eye-opening number. Lot. I couldn't even fathom that. Yeah. No, there's, there's about one hip fracture a day that comes into our hospital. Yeah. And is there, I don't want to sound mean, mm. is there a common theme? It's osteoporosis. And is there, I mean, could you potentially look at an injury and have a, you know, it's you know, try not to assume, but have an idea about what that person looks like or what their health state is from fitness? Um, yeah, I mean, most, so again, as you get older, your balance can go down, mm -hmm. your cognitive function might go down, your awareness of where, you know, your feet are in space and tripping. So it's, you're, you're tripping easy, easy, more easily. Um, and then, yeah, then you, you're in, you combine that with not as much musculature and then osteoporosis. And, and then again, you can, if you get, have dementia, you might be getting up in the middle of the night and confused and don't know where you are. And, and so, you know, just hitting the ground um, just because you don't know exactly what your surroundings are. So there are common themes that we see with these people with hip fractures. Um, and, but it usually, number one is uh, the bone structure. Mm -hmm. And it, we even talk about the muscle surrounding it, but then yeah, the bone density yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Something that's affected yeah. positively from exercise. It's just great. Like you even have this conversation, you you bring up a statistic like one hip fracture a day. It's like you want to get out there and shake people. It's like why aren't you working out? Like like start. Yeah. No. And and it's and it's tough because you know they're 80, 90 year olds, but you know it it starts at some point. Tell me about CrossFit Launchpad. Launchpad. Uh, that is my wife's Jim. Uh, she was a family medicine doctor. Dr. Rocket. Dr. Rhonda well. Rocket. Rhonda Rocket. Rhonda Rocket. Rhonda the Rocket. Can you call her that? <laughs> Rocket Woman. Rocket Woman. <laughs> and, uh, and she decided she just was kind of, you know, she would see somebody 15 minutes every six months in practice and talk to them about diet, exercise, sleep, stress management, nutrition. And they'd come back six months later and she's like, how are we doing? And they'd be like, not so much. And then she'd say, okay, see you again in three months and come back in three months. And she's like, how are we doing? And they're like, yeah, no, I haven't. I keep drinking Diet Cokes and Gatorades. And, and so she, but she would, but there was a glimmer of hope because she wouldn't just make one change. And she'd say, okay, let's, 
stop the Diet Coke. I want to see you in three months. We're going to draw some blood and see. So she literally was doing experiments, not experiments, but taking care of people. Clinical trials, I suppose. Pretty much, yeah. Like making yeah. making one change. Where let's mm-hmm. eliminate this or decrease this, decrease or eliminate, and follow it up with blood work. And so she had her blood work and her patient profiles, and it, the stuff was amazing. Like she had people eating, people with high cholesterol. Uh, cutting out the sugar, adding eggs, you know, which was a pariah, uh, you know, adding six eggs a day, cutting out sugar, and their cholesterols were going down. And she had multiple patients like this. With objective data? With data, with cholesterols, yes. And, I mean, but I can go back, I can go back to studies long, long time ago when they were still saying this stuff that dietary cholesterols have little to no effect on your actual cholesterol. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. why it's, were people still doing that? Why did it take her to have to? Yeah, I don't, it's, yeah. I mean, it's sort of what we've been told that fat, you know, eat fat, you get high cholesterol. Um, you know, that's, I guess it makes sense from, a, from like, a, like a toddler perspective of like, if I eat this fat, it is yeah. fat, not right. <laughs> understanding digestion right. or anything like right. that. So yeah, yeah. maybe. So she'd have this, and then she realized she's like, she was just kind of getting frustrated with the same conversation, the same, like she wasn't having enough of the victories. She was mm-hmm. having so many more defeats, and it was just so disheartening. And she's like, if I you know, spent more time with these people, and I had the opportunity to spend more time with these people, I could change you know, what they're doing. And then came CrossFit and then came, she just kind of was getting burnt out. She got burnt out. And, uh, and then she's like, I want to do this. I want to start a gym and, uh, and start a gym. And now she gets to spend seven days a week with people and has had huge success stories. There's some videos out there. Rocket Science is a great video by Michael Dalton came by and videotaped us. And yeah, just great people off rheumatoid meds, people off blood pressure meds, people off diabetic meds, changing their body types, changing their diet, and just having huge success. And Launchpad started and is still at your home? Yeah, in our garage. Garage gym, old school style. How many members are there? There's probably some that come and go, but... seventy. 70 members <laughs> you have 70 roommates now <laughs> now that the kid now that the kids are out of the house it's like hey you know what we need 70 more of them <laughs> exactly. but that's i mean that's incredible yeah. that's incredible and there are you know there's probably what she probably saw from a family doctor practice she would see 70 different people 2000 2000 patients to 3000 patients yeah i would say 70 in a couple of days yeah. yeah but to be able to have that effect on people like i just don't know of another medical thing mm. where you can have that profound of an effect on people rather yeah. than you know just i guess it's the difference between like a swim coach and a lifeguard Right. Yeah, yeah, and the the medical system as we know it now isn't reimbursing for that. They're not they're not paying a doctor to see somebody seven days a week. Like you can't get paid to see somebody seven days a week and check their nutrition, check their you know it's it's just not feasible in the system. Um, so, do you think there could be a standard set where doctors could prescribe if you have enough? 
either evidence or you have enough qualifications. I guess like the qualification stuff is tough too because mm. I know coaches that have their level one but just care about people and stay in their lane of yeah. squat, deadlift, press, eat, you know, eat real foods and are making life-changing things. Yeah. Do you think that there could be a time or something when it could be a prescription rather than, hey, you're, you're you know, you're at a stroke level blood pressure and you're incredibly obese, you are not going to be prescribed Ozempic. You're going to be prescribed six months of CrossFit gym. Like, is that a possibility? Sure. Sure. Or what has to happen? It doesn't have to be CrossFit. It doesn't have to be CrossFit. Right, yeah, right. We're, just, we're biased from, from yeah, what we from know. From what we but, know. But. Yeah. At someone yeah. From, from, a, from a coach. And, I mean, is that... Are there nutritionists that can be prescribed? Is there, is there a level of can, education where you can uh, yeah you can refer you that? can refer to a prescri- uh, to a nutritionist sure um, yeah and having having that combination of having a you know a, a nutritionist in a gym you know that works with people and lifestyle decisions mm-hmm. and dis- and you know again it's just it's 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 simple and but it's difficult yeah, it's not right? easy it's not easy right? simple it's not, right, it's simple, yeah. not easy right. It's, um, it's just, if you don't buy the stuff, you won't eat it. But the problem is you go out into the real world and everybody looks at you like, oh, why aren't you, why aren't you eating that? Or why aren't you doing that? Like, it's just, it, there's a lot of external assumptions and external pressures for people who are trying to make good calls and good decisions. And I'm not saying you have to go sugar-free for five years. You know, everybody has sugar. Like, you know, um, you know anybody has sugar. And there's fruits and vegetable sugar, but then yes, people splurge. Like, mm-hmm. but there's a difference between splurging and going out and doing something fun and doing something nice versus, uh, you know, every day you have a pint of ice cream or you have a quart of ice cream. There's there's a difference with your body if you do it once a month or two months mm-hmm. versus, you know, every day. I also I also think from just a trainer perspective is that there's a there's a there's a sliding scale that people want to refuse to acknowledge to save people from hurting their feelings. Uh-huh. And when someone may see uh, Rich Froning eating uh, McDonald's or drinking a soda, I don't even know if he drinks soda. I mean, this is back, this is back before he started having more joint pain. And he was like, maybe I need to clean this up too. But someone sees someone at this, this state of super health and right. they're like, yeah, I had a few donuts. And they think, hey, I had a good week. I did, I did three days eating well. I'm going to have donuts now. And in my perspective, I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, you haven't earned that. That's not a win for you. You're still, you know, you are still at 35% body fat. Like, mm. you don't get, like, you can enjoy life, but you've got to get yourself to an area where that's not going to be a potential, you know, death sentence for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say, you know, we don't expect everyone to go like five years without sugar, but I don't know a single human that wouldn't benefit from that. I mean, maybe, maybe you were talking about some like ultra marathon runners or something in that sense, but someone who is chronically ill, you know, have you read the book sugar blues? I haven't read that one. No, it's an older one. You know, it's a a classic like Glassman. I had you read it and you're like, wow, like there's a lot of things about like kids growing up and being addicted to sugar. And I'm like, well, why couldn't I focus in school? And it was like, I only had I only had three bowls of Lucky Charms every morning before school, and then I was so exhausted. Like an hour and a half in, I had my head yeah. in my arms. I couldn't yeah. pay attention. There, Man- like, mandarin oranges and a little uh, spaghetti and tomato sauce. Oh and, gosh, yeah. yeah. School lunches, just yeah. pizzas, like pizza orange day. Like, juice, oh, you know, orange juice, orange juice, 
orange juice, spaghetti with tomato sauce, <laughs> and mandarin oranges for dessert. Like, it's <laughs> healthy. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think there's like a scale where it's like sometimes people need to be a little bit harder on those people in like a tough love sense. It's not like, hey, you're fat, you can't eat this. It's more yeah. of like, hey, like, what do you, do you want to eat this more than you'd like to have this quality of yeah. life? It's a, that's like the, tip, the tipping point. Like at what point are you going to say, okay, I'm going to take charge of this? Like when, when you're sick of hearing other people or yourself or like what is that tipping point? And that's what it, you know, that's what it comes to. It, it seems like Rhonda was able to be closer to that point because I think a lot of people's tipping points are when they go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, if you don't change something, you're going to die. Or you're gonna let, you're gonna have a very miserable life, or or we're gonna have to cut your foot off. Yeah, and people are like, look, you, know, <laughs> you kind of get that, like you kind of get that grotesque, like, well, not having a foot would be maybe I don't want this donut as much as I want to have a foot. You know, it, it's <laughs> right. so being at that level, I think, is so unique that she decided to change just to make a bigger difference. And I, right. I'd love to, I want to link like some of the stuff that she's done and highlight in like the YouTube video for this, yeah, sure. like some of those things because sure. it, it's just so cool. And I think that people will see it and be like, oh, I, I can do this too. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. People just see this stud of a <laughs> Harvard quarterback <laughs> and you know, just stud athlete, and they're like, well, I couldn't do that. And it's like, you too. No. You too can be a quarterback <laughs> and center fielder for Harvard University. What's he doing? It could be. <laughs> um, so you've now been, how long have you been um, operating as an orthopedic surgeon? Uh, medical school, uh, well, residency ended in 99. So since 1999, I've been able to be an attending. Right? Attending is, you know, when you can do stuff on your own. Yeah. You, know, you don't need supervision. Do you have any, are there any stories that, <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't have to be like names or any, I mean, you know, <laughs> your, you know your, your realm more than I do. Has there ever been a story where you're like, maybe this isn't for me? Has there ever been something like so out of the ordinary where you're like, okay, this is not what I signed up for? Hmm. I, well, there is a story of um, in medical school. Okay. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm moving along, chugging along, uh, and just med school, just the amount of knowledge and books and tests and studies and memorization and new terminology and just, like there was a point where it was like summer of second year so second year two years of medical school are all tests and books the second two years are you go to the hospital you get to go to you know take care of patients you get to go to clinics so that's third and fourth year of medical school first two years grind you know just every day you know memorization but you know you still have fun but so then second year medical school I was at a point where I was like, I, I don't know if this is for me. I, I am sick of this. I can't handle this anymore. I was at the tipping point and I was ready to just say, done. And uh, so my mom is a general surgeon. She, um, she so, that, you know. It's a family of learning doctors. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes, well, Sean, what's, you know, what's going on? Why, what, what, why are you upset? And she goes, I said, I just, I'm so, I'm getting kind of sick of this. I don't know if this is the right thing field i don't know if this is the right thing for me and all you know and that's the other part too as you are going through medical school you're still you know like this your friends are starting to do this your friends are starting to 
have a job, be successful, get a car, make money, get married, and you're like, and so it's a, it's a grind, like anything. But, you know, so the, I just said, you know, I'm, I'm just getting kind of sick of this. And she goes, well, what are you studying? And I go, well, there's, I'm doing viruses and molecular biology and microbiology and bacteria, and I'm doing genes and, and chromosomes. And she's like, well, of course, you know, you're sick of this. She goes, you're not, that's not your strength. Like, your strength is people and, like, meeting patients and, talk, and taking care of people and, and talking to humans. She goes, of course, you know, viruses, and of course you're going to be upset and bummed out. She goes, wait a few more months and get to third year. She goes, if you get to third year and you tell me you're sick of it, then I would let you, and I would support you, but mm-hmm. I don't think you should quit right now. And she was right. <laughs> Sometimes the prerequisite, prerequisites are... Yeah, you know. yeah, so. Um, but other stuff... Um, just the hours, you know, the hours of residency were tough. You know, just sometimes you get called a couple times to the emergency room in the middle of the night. And so sleep deprivation is, is a significant, um, you know, issue. You know, you're tired, fatigued, you know, not a lot of sleep sometimes. And just being able to, to deal with that um, sometimes can get tough. Um, but, you know, the, the residency itself was just long hours. Come, you come into the hospital around... 4.30 or 5 a.m., you round on the patients, you see the patients, then you go to the OR, and you're in the OR all day, and sometimes till the next day, until you leave the next afternoon, and so it, it added up, yeah. How many surgeries do you think you've done oh boy. in the last 25 years? Um, I was doing the math, by the way. I think the 25, from 99 20, to 2024. He's, he's getting good. He's I think. Getting good. And I, he's not using his fingers. I've been watching him. He's not using his fingers. He's using my toes. <laughs> hey, Siri. <laughs> um, so as, you know, when you start, you, you know, no one knows who you are. And, and then just word of mouth grows. And so your, your, your reputation starts to increase. So early on, you're not operating as much, but... Nowadays, it's probably, you know, four to 500 cases a year. So, so whatever that is. Come on, don't put that math on me. <laughs> so, say, say 400 for, say, 20 years. There you go. Time so, it's 80,000 surgeries? No. 800,000. <laughs> 800,000. 400 times. Eight, I said 80. 400 times 20. Yeah. 8,000. 80. 8,000. Eight? Eight thousand? Four hundred times twenty? Two thousand times four? Yeah. Carry the zero minus. Yeah, yeah. eighty. Yeah. Eighty thousand. Eight thousand. Eight million surgeries. Get out of here. A Googleplex. <laughs> Googleplex. Um, we can edit this afterwards, right? No, no, no. We keep it in there. They're like, they're like, we get it. I got my high school diploma, okay? Um, now, uh, something that I admire about you on top of all of this other stuff is we've talked about this and almost talked about it on the contrary of lifestyle and of, you know, you don't have to go five years sugar free, but I've always admired someone. I've always admired you in the way of your work, but also in the time that you have, that you've spent with your family, Mm. the vacations, the time off, your ability to just kind of, I don't necessarily, I don't know if like turn off is the right word and it may not be as true as it seems to me as it is with you, but Mm you know, to go out and, and, and go to dinner and have a drink and, and do that type of stuff. It's like you've, you've done that really, really well. And as someone who's seen that at the, at the health benefits, what can, you, 
what can you recommend to people to understand like a balance of life? Like, hey, you can mm-hmm. have all of these incredible things that fitness can bring and, and, and nutrition can bring, but you don't have to give up some of the other fun stuff. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I think it's, when I was little, I, I used to like reading about the Greeks and the Romans and the mythology and, and I've always, my, my motto has been sound mind and a sound body. Like don't, don't favor one over the other. Like you got to keep both. And, you know, so sound mind, sound body is pretty simple, you know, staying fit, staying healthy, but sound mind, you know, learning, always being curious, getting out there and, and relaxation is too, you know, uh, I think my parents, um, they sometimes felt guilty that they were away a lot. They were in the operating room a lot. And so whenever they had free time, we were going on a, a day trip to Maine or we'd go to Rhode Island, Rocky Point, or we'd go down the Cape. You know, we used to love to go for lobsters up in Maine. So they, like every weekend, we literally would do day trips almost every weekend. Um, and then vacations, they would, you know, take us on vacations, you know, summer would have like a two week vacation. So, um, you know, so I think having, having five siblings, you know, or five in our family, growing up with five siblings, um, tight knit family, mom and dad were very big at, you know, family, keeping family together. Um, you know, we're, we're a unit We you know, just, you know, almost make decisions, um, for each other and, and what's good for the family. And, and, uh, and then, you know, they were also good at, you know, letting us branch out and, and do our own thing. And, uh, and with my kids, I, I think I like to, you know, same thing. I like to keep them, keep them together, keep them on vacations and sports. Sports is, was our simple way of, of we'd all go to sports games. We'd all go to each other's sports games, you know. And, uh, and, so I, and also, too, I would feel guilty about missing things sometimes if I was on call or had to go do a hip fracture on somebody. And, mm-hmm. um, Rhonda has a funny line one time where it was like six o'clock at night or, and I call up and I say, Hey, um, I'm not going to be home tonight. And she goes, what's her name? And I go, she's Ethel and she's 89. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a hip fracture. I had to go do a hip fracture and that wasn't a HIPAA violation. We, I made up that name, (laughs) but yeah, no. So, you know, just being able to relax is, is important and not being stressed and, and I've, I've started, you know, working on a lot of things like sleep management and making sure I'm not staying up too late and getting to bed earlier and, and working on that. I, I used to probably stay up too late and wake up too early. And, and um, you know, so I'm really focused now on, on being sure, you know, shutting off the, the lights, the, the phone, just disconnecting. Yeah. It's funny that you say that about uh about Rhonda and that story because <laughs> that's another thing that I've noticed over the years too is that your I feel like your communication is really good and, and maybe it's a little bit easier because you've both come from a profession of being doctors yeah. but I, I mean I think you know in, in any relationship in my work relationship with my business partners and with my girlfriend and with my daughter and with my daughter's mom and all this different stuff it's like everything seems to be significantly better with communication oh yeah has there been things that you've worked on or is there advice that you can give to someone who is either going to med school, either working for jobs or not doctors or anything mm. like that in order to have communication like it's, you seemingly have with your family, with your wife, with your kids? Yeah, never go to bed angry. Never go to bed angry. That's, um, that's important. And, you know, just dealing with it. Don't, you know, like we, we joke about, um, you know, 
not internalizing and and keeping it so that if she says something like, "Oh, would you shut the dishwasher, please?" and I, what the <laughs> you know, like it's not it's not the shut the dishwasher. It's the fact that I've kept three different issues internalized, and so yeah, I, you know, getting it out there, mm -hmm. talking about it because it's either way you're either it's either going to blow up later or you got to or you got to just deal with it at the moment. And so yeah, keeping something smoldering is. Um, sort of tough, yeah. I can imagine. That would be my, my recommendation is get it out there, talk about it. And, you know, you referenced the dishwasher and like that. <laughs> Shutting thing. the dishwasher. <laughs> well, as, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's easier for you not to sweat the small stuff because there's so many bigger picture things yeah. that are going on. But yeah. what do you have for people that are, that, that are sweating that or, or they're like in a relationship or in school or in mm. things that's like just the littlest things are setting them off. I mean, what is, yeah. I mean, I, I guess your mom gave great advice about like, Hey, like give it another year to where you can focus on what you want to do mm. and grind through the stuff that you're in. You were probably relatively irritable during that, that, year <laughs> in that season, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the other tough too. Like what if she didn't, you know, push me I mean, like you got knowing when to push somebody, you know, and I, with my kids too, it's like, they come to me with a thing and I'll, I could either be like, oh, come on, you know, suck it up, let's go, mm -hmm. put on your, you know, let's go. Yeah. Uh, and so the question is like, at what point do you give them a little extra push to help them and to guide them and, you know, maybe give them a little inertia, get off the inertia couch uh, versus, you know, listening to them and understanding and, and saying, you know, stop or don't do it if it, do if it doesn't make you happy, you know, you know, it, that's, that's, I still have trouble with it. I still don't know how much to, you know, let them do whatever the hell they want or give them a little, you know, you can, you can do this or keep going or, you know, it's, it's a, like anything in life. I guess if there was an objective answer to how little or how much it would, life would be a whole lot easier, yeah. but through your, you know, trials and tribulations through that, what, do you, is there, are there any like signs that you have? Are there any things that you're like, Hey, here's, here's something where I need to push or here's something where I don't. And obviously you're, you know, you're not going to bat a thousand at that, but is there yeah. anything, is there any guiding tenets for that? Um, no, I don't think there is. That's the tough part. It's, it's, I think it's, you know, pluses and minuses. Like you see, you see the results of your push and then they come back and they say, Hey, I'm glad you, I'm glad you gave me a little push on that. Like, cause I now I really enjoy it or yeah, I think it's just trial and error. You know, it's, it's, life is a long, there's a long time of decisions every day. There's a decision to be made and you just sort of have a feel for what, when you can push hard and you, and, you know, again, a parent, there's different philosophies like, and I've, have you ever heard of it? Um, one is an engineer parent versus a shepherd. Like an engineer is going to create everything and show them what to do and how to do it. Whereas a shepherd is like, you're just going to walk with them and guide them and maybe tell them, have them go right versus left to, as opposed to, you know, so I heard that one probably a little too late <laughs> when I was back into my engineer philosophy. Of, oh, you can do this and do that. So, yeah. So you can teach someone the exact spin you need to put on a bowling ball or you can, or you can, <laughs> you know, throw the bumpers up on the gutter and be like, Hey, let's figure it out with a couple of different tosses. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, if I relate that back to what you were saying too about what Rhonda was doing as, hey, I want you to do this. We're just going to make this small change and then we're going to see if mm -hmm. there's any objective data from that. Mm -hmm. 
I think maybe something I struggle with that I'm getting from what you're saying is there's times when I'm like, this is the time that I need to push someone yeah. or this is the time that I need to let to guide them on their own. Yeah. And then six months down the road, it's, it's kind of being able to go back to that and having the courage to say, was that the right call mm-hmm. to then make the changes in the future as opposed to saying, hey, this is what I do at this time. I'm going to push and do this. Right. Whereas if you push someone and it went too far, it's like, do you have that self-awareness to come back and be like, hey, maybe that wasn't right. Maybe in the next or, chance. I'll or they don't come back. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, it, like, what's the tipping point? If they say, oh, this guy's been yelling at me for three months. I'm not enjoying it. Like, right? Yeah. You know, when, when, yeah, when is it, when do you push somebody hard enough? It's very insightful. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I know from, I mean, obviously it's, you're, you're more than just an, an orthopedic surgeon, but <laughs> as, a, as a father of, of, you know, kids from what I see that are, that are incredible. And Thanks. I think more, more than that, what's impressive to me is I, I think like you know, anyone can have kids that end up being incredible, but I think I'd rather see what I want is to, is to continue to have a fantastic relationship with my kids yeah. and to have them want to come to me for advice more important than, Hey, we, you know, we're, this is, you know, another child is going to be a doctor or another child is going to be a musician or another child is going to be this. If someone's like, Hey, I really, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm currently working at this job and I really enjoy it and I'm happy. And you have those conversations. It's like, I mean, that's, that's kind of more success as a parent than being like, Hey, well, my, my son's a billionaire. He doesn't speak to me anymore, but right. yeah, he can thank me for that. It's like, oh, uh, shit. Uh, uh, we always we always joke about the uh, the cats and the cradle song. You know that song, uh, Cat Stevens, about a father who's very busy, and the kid comes up and he's like, "Hey, Dad, uh, when are we going out, Dad?" Um, you know, uh, well, I forget the the lyrics, but basically, it's the kid. Um, Always uh, asking for attention and asking to play mm-hmm. with the kid, and the father's like, "I'm busy. Maybe later, son. Maybe later, son." And then the son grows up, and the father's looking to spend time, and the son becomes the father, saying, "You know, the father's like, hey, do you want to get together?'" And he goes, "You know, uh, maybe, maybe later, dad." So it's uh, so the kids. So it's like sometimes, like I will, I'll say like, "Oh, I gotta go do something, or I'm gonna miss that," and they'll they'll sing the cats in the cradle song. <laughs> Cats so they the hold cradle. you accountable. Yeah, yeah, they'll, 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 and I'm like, cats in the cradle, silver spoon, little boy, boo, man on the moon. When are you coming home, dad? I don't know when we'll get together. <laughs> yeah. Then. Yeah. That was it. So yes, they give us a little, little knife. Yeah. Just to give it back, right? <laughs> yeah. After all yeah. those years. Exactly. Um, you know, touching on, and I think we've actually gone over our hour, which is, I mean, absolutely cool. fine. I just yeah, always sure. want to make sure that I'm, you know, cognizant of your time and people who want to listen but um before we go on to kind of how someone can find you from a Mm. from a doctor perspective and all that stuff Mm. is there is there anything i mean granted you know we have my daughter on here we can't even call it the bfit podcast anymore because people like yeah we don't care about that (laughs) i have like two separate sections now they're like i just want to hear ty talk but from like a fitness podcast like I always try to give tangible things mm. for someone with each person that's coming in to be mm-hmm. like, hey, here's something you can do tomorrow or today or mm-hmm. tonight mm-hmm. to start to improve the quality of their life through fitness, whether it be through a uh, diet nutrition or through an orthopedic health yeah. thing. What, what's, what's one thing that someone listening to this can start tomorrow? I love um, 
I love Tabata. Tabata, what he's talking about is a a time bound um, kind of workout scheme where you work for twenty seconds 20 and seconds. rest for twenty seconds or rest for ten seconds or work for forty seconds and twenty. But let's yeah, just say for 20, 10. easy uh, easy conversation, four minutes. four minutes. So it's eight rounds of twenty seconds of work and 10 seconds of rest. So you love Tabata. So what does someone do there? Why do I love Tabata? Because I have people come in with knee arthritis Mm -hmm. and I'll say, what what are you doing for exercise? They're like, I can't exercise. I'm like, I can't exercise. I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) I go, do you have dumbbells or a gallon of water or two jugs of milk or anything? Take them and do 20 seconds overhead press and do it, you know, Tabata, four minutes. And I go, and they're like, oh, but I, you know, how does that get you cardiovascularly? And I'm like, don't worry. You'll, Do it. You'll see. It. You'll <laughs> see. And yeah, and people come back. They're like, oh my God. And it was like, I was like four minutes. Like they go, you know, because it hurts when I walk on the treadmill for 50 minutes. I'm like, yeah, because you're walking on the treadmill on a bad knee for 50 minutes and you're just pounding it. And so that's my, that's my glimmer of fitness for for somebody who has an ailment say you have an upper shoulder issue and you know you could do a tabata air squat or any kind of squat for 20 seconds on 10 seconds off if you have a knee arthritis you could do a dumbbell press seated dumbbell press for 20 seconds on 10 seconds off and if you have a couch at home you can sit down on your couch you and stand up that. for 20 seconds and rest you could, for do 10. That. you could do that which is harder than you think it is right, right. <clears throat> that's awesome i yeah, love that that's my that's my little thing <laughs> microphone drop there. So if someone wants to, let's say if someone wants to get a hold of you um, yeah, yeah. from from Orthopedics New England, mm-hmm. how would someone reach out if they're having some, hey, maybe it's time for me to, to get this looked at. Maybe it's time for me to have surgery. I've been putting off surgery. How would someone get a hold of you that way? Sure. Uh, so orthopedicsnewengland.com or orthopedicsne.com um, is the uh, is the is our site, our main site, our website. And you can go there. There are phone numbers to call. There are... Um, there's a, uh, a, a box that you click on to request a visit, request an appointment. Uh, from a social media point of view, I have a blog called 321goMD.com. Uh, I got a new YouTube channel. You do? I do. I do. I, so I had knee surgery myself. I was like, I'm sitting around like, well, I got to do something. And so I created a YouTube channel so I can give people videos on their recovery, like what the recovery and rehab is like for a rotator cuff repair for a knee replacement um i'm getting i'm getting some analytics going let's go <laughs> i love that i forgot you told me about that when we were at breakfast the other day that's am, awesome yeah yeah i am writing an ebook so the ebook we're soon to be named but uh the ebook is you know how everybody on a um, maybe you don't know but like if you're looking up uh, if you had a shoulder issue or a knee issue the chapter would say shoulder and knee but no one is going to read a whole chapter on shoulder to figure out what's going on with their shoulder or see anything online. So the table of contents is going to be pictures of somebody pointing to the place that hurts. And that's going to be, you know, somebody has a biceps issue, it'll be pointing here. Somebody has a rotator cuff issue, it'll be over on the side. And then you click on that, and that'll bring you to the sites that talk about biceps or talk about shoulders. It's going to have patient testimonials for people to describe what they were going through, if, if your symptoms align with them. And then say you had surgery, there are post-surgery testimonials too if, to see like, what it was like to go through surgery. That's amazing. Thank you. What do you tell someone if they're, if they're like, hey, it hurts everywhere I touch? 
You have a broken finger. Is that was that your joke? That was it. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. That's okay. We'll have Hurley add in some afterwards on that. Um, and then I think important too is you know not everyone that is a fitness instructor or a fitness enthusiast is listening to it. Some people want to you know start to regain um, control of their life. Really, when it's what it sounds like from from like a CrossFit launch pad. How would someone get a hold of? Um, of your wife or the gym or the affiliate to come visit your, your home? She is, uh, her email really, it's uh, rocketronda at comcast.net. You got to spell that one Two out T's. because... Rocketronda is R-O-C-K-E-T-T-R-O-N-D-A at comcast.net. And I might have to send that one. I might have to send an email over there just so I can go just hang to, out and just to go hang work out. out. Oh my God, she'd love to have you. Come That's drop great. in. Yeah. Yes. She'll show these people... OG, yeah. what OG is all about. What overtraining is. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this scar. I got this yeah. scar. I got this scar. <laughs> so, you know, unique after I had um, the last surgery on my elbow, uh, just kind of clearing everything out. I didn't have it when I was getting out of the Navy. I was, I was mad at the world. I was like, I don't need to clear it out. I'll be fine. I'm fit. I'm good. You know, I started to come back. And what's funny is that while I was doing CrossFit, it was pretty good. It was always while I, like I was playing uh, the first time it really flared up, I was playing kickball, throwing <laughs> the ball from third base to first, just winging it on the side. And then, oh of course, I get back into the the Southie Rec League, and I'm just bombing balls in from center field because I'm hey, an athlete. Because you because you're fast. Yep. And I would not. I would be like, all right. You know, I'd show up to the game late. I'm like, all right. I'm just not throwing anyone out. There'd be like a pop fly, someone on third base, and I'm like, I'm going all the way. And that just, yeah. I mean, no accuracy at that point in time. I don't know how to throw a soft. I'd be over the backstop and I would just be dragging my arm back in. But oh boy. Um, so Orthopedics New England, uh, Dr. Jay Salant did the uh, mm-hmm. did the operation here. Worked with Rocket on that and um, pushed the recovery to, yeah. to you know happen quick. Was working cool. with the in the rehab with the TB12 guys yep. and um, yeah, yeah. happy to report that uh, I no longer hurts when I swing a golf club. Okay, and uh, I you know I just have to take care of it more. Yeah. I don't have the amount of loose bodies that were in there, which was I saw pictures of that. If if you have those pictures, it's impressive. It looks like a dirt road, a gravel road. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna do something, if you're gonna be a bear, be a grizzly, right? Mm, mm. But uh, yeah, so I appreciate everything that you've done for me and uh, coming on this podcast. Help. And I figure, I mean, it's probably time for a beer. I don't know. Sure, let's go. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> you guys know where to find us at Big Night Fitness um, on Instagram on any social media site, and then www.bignightfitness.com for everything we have going on. We have the podcast, we have the retreat, we have actually an upcoming panel where Dylan Francis and Mike Finn, you know Mike, right? He's from, he used to train up at CrossFit New England, who's a tour manager and worked for like all these different artists. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Awesome guy. But we're actually going to do a panel on health and lifestyle while touring. Oh, cool. And so that'll be February 1st. Tickets and all that stuff will be there. If anyone is still listening at this point in time, I'm pretty sure once I start doing my pitch, they're just going to click on it. We'll see you guys in here next week. And, and again, Doc, thank you so much for coming out. Thanks for having me. Cheers. This is great.